Colorado's Chance, The Firewalker, Chapter 5 Chance pulled on his damp, steaming pants and shirt to continue his conversation with the detective. However, he kept his shoes close to the fire to make sure they dried out better. So, Mr. Van Horn, what is it you're doing up here at such a late hour? Well, Detective O'Brien, I'm sure with your powers of deduction, you can figure out that one on your own. Okay, let's cut the shit. What's going on? We had a report that a group of people was seen pulling something wrapped in a tarp out of an SUV along the highway and carrying it down towards the river. Since I assume you didn't also bring an SUV along with you on this trip, and you seem unable to walk along a river without falling in, that you were not a part of that. Um, yeah, Chance said, looking down at his bare feet. But I think it was your suspicious group that startled me, resulting in the fall into the river which I had been navigating like a ninja beforehand, I might add. Uh-huh, I'm sure. Did you get a good look at them? See what they were doing? I was a bit busy plunging into the icy depths, but I saw at least five of them. Two of them sounded male. It sounded like they were working, like what they were doing was part of their job. They had on those lights you can strap on your head. One of them said they needed to wash the blood off themselves. Oh, they also mentioned that they had a busy day tomorrow. Did you see where they were at? Chance began pulling on his wet shoes, then tossing his still-soaked socks into his messenger bag. Yeah, I saw which path they were coming back from. I'll show you. After the two of them doused the makeshift campfire, Chance led the detective up to the path he saw the group on. I assume this is close to the punch bowl, Chance ventured. Yeah, real close. This is one of the trails that leads to the backside, not the one the tourists usually use. Mostly just the locals know about it, as you can't see it from the road. But there's some caves on this side. They came around the ridge and were greeted by the roaring sound of what Chance assumed was a waterfall. It was like they were standing on the edge of a giant, seemingly bottomless bowl of water. Even in the dark of night, the water was a striking aqua blue in the white light of the pair's flashlights. The blue was in stark contrast to the wet black stone of the walls as they peered down the 50-foot sheer drop. Using their flashlights to scan the ground, they could see scrapes on the dirt trail, scattered among what looked like the footprints of several people. Someone had been carrying something large and heavy that had fallen to the ground, been dragged a short way, and then picked back up. Hey, you detective, come look at this. Chance had found some blood that may have come from whatever had dropped. It was smeared along the edge of where the drag marks were on the ground. Chance pulled the camera out of his messenger bag, saying a silent prayer to himself that the camera was still going to function after his late-night gymnastics in the river. He blew out a sigh of relief as he thumbed the on switch and saw the back display light up. A series of flashes strobed as the camera tried its best to shoot in the dark of night. The detective pulled a black nitrile glove from her jacket pocket and put it on while bending down to inspect the smear. She touched it with her gloved finger, rolled it between her thumb and finger. I think it might be an animal. There's fur in it. Here, let me see with your flashlight. Chance squatted down next to the detective and shined his light in onto her gloved hand. See? Tan and white fur. Looks like it could be from a mule deer or whitetail, maybe? Possibly elk? Think it would be poachers? Chance looked around. Sure seems like a well-organized field trip for the middle of the night just to get rid of a single deer shot out of season. Agreed. Okay, let's see where they dragged it to and try to get some answers. 
The trail that the tracks went down was out of sight from the main trail. It snaked down into what, at first glance, looked like a dead end. But the tracks and occasional drag marks showed that the trail continued into the low opening of a cave. You're the local. You ever hear about this cave? Chance asked. Well, there are a few caves in the area, but no. I've never been to this one or heard about it. O'Brien turned off her flashlight, put it into her pocket, and pulled out her sidearm. Keep your light pointed in front of me. Lowering her voice down to a hushed whisper, she leaned into Chance. Maybe we should try and be a bit quieter until we're sure that this place is clear. Chance pointed the light in front of them, and the shadow of the detective's figure led down into the black walls of a cave, the low entrance hidden by long grass and roots. The wall of the cave was slick, black, wet rock. The humidity told of water further down the tunnel as the drip of water could be heard echoing up from the depths. The two made their way further into the cave. The path seemed to spiral around itself while descending. After walking for about five minutes, they walked into an open, natural space. Chance scanned the opening with his flashlight. He found a ring of metal on the wall next to him, fastened into the stone and held what appeared to Chance as an old extinguished torch. Hey, you deputy. You guys have a lot of creepy caves complete with torches here in Aspen? There were a few mines in the area, but I hadn't heard of anything like this. Hey, shine that light into the middle there. She pointed towards the center of the roundish room. The floor was hard packed dirt that became sandy under where the cave ceiling seemed to form a natural dome. Something about it seemed almost church-like to chance. The center of the room sunk into a small body of water. Rising from the small pool of water rose a rectangular altar of black honed rock with a flat surface that held something wrapped in a green plastic tarp. Holy shit! I think we found what they were dragging out here, Chance let slip. Chance immediately grabbed his camera and started shooting pictures of the room, strobing the flash as he took pictures in a 360-degree arc all around him. Chance, stop! This may be an active crime scene! Raising his voice, well, do you have a camera on you? This may be the only chance you get to capture critical evidence before anyone else touches the scene. Chance was looking hard into the detective's eyes when a loud snort and a wild animal scream of terror came from the altar. The green tarp was now thrashing about wildly. After a moment, the tarp went crashing off the back into the water, where the thrashing sounds now mixed with splashing of water, but then suddenly stopped. The detective turned towards the noise, holding her gun with both arms extended forward, and slowly, carefully, walked towards where the commotion had come from. Chance held his camera up, also trying to walk carefully around to the back of the altar. As they both approached it, they saw the green tarp still had something substantial in it. The sounds of heavy, labored breathing came from under the plastic. Chance took three pictures, rapid fire from his camera, and the light spooked whatever was underneath. A colossal buck mule deer jumped out from under the tarp, landing just feet from the two who both jumped like spooked cats. The detective let off a shot in the confusion that ricocheted across the room a couple times. Chance snapped some more pictures as a dazed creature raced up the tunnel leading out of the cave. Both Shannon and Chance stared at each other, dumbfounded. What in the fuck? The detective questioned out loud. What, you mean the dead deer that just came back to life on a crazy cave altar and tried to trample us before making its escape? No, 
I meant the symbols that thing had cut all over its body. Chapter 6 After the deer had run off, Chance and O'Brien did a systematic search of the cave. Both came to the investigation with their own flavor of methodology. The detective went straight to the tarp and surrounding footprints of the group that brought the deer into the cave. Chance was more interested in the modifications to the cave. Walking first to the altar, he shined his flashlight onto the wet, black stone. He shone the beam along the sharply cut circular designs carved deep into the rock, trying to see if he could understand any of them. He then knelt and ran his hand down along one of the sides and followed the edge underwater, feeling for where the altar ended. At about a foot deep, he ran into sand and mud. Chance took several pictures of the symbols that emblazoned each side of the rectangular shape. Hey, Van Horn, could you grab a few pictures of these footprints in the bloody tarp, too? I don't know if my phone camera will capture things quite as well as your camera. Yeah, no worries. Chance walked over and started taking the pictures. As he did, Shannon reached into her pocket, fishing out a quarter and placing it on the ground next to the tracks for a visual reference. As they had inspected and photographed everything they found of interest, Chance began shivering again, the adrenaline leaving his body from the craziness of the night. Look, I like crazy first dates as much as the next guy, but I am exhausted and fear I may become hypothermic again, not to mention I have no fucking idea where my bike is right now. Do you think you might be able to drive me into town? Shannon shook her head before she answered, half chuckling to herself. Well, if you're asking if I'm not going to haul you into the station and arrest you for tampering with an active crime scene as a first date, then yes, I can take you into town. But we need to take a look at those pictures you've got. O'Brien continued, Okay, let's leave the tarp here. I'll get it tomorrow. I need to process this evidence correctly, and I don't trust anyone else to do it. So we're going to keep this quiet for now, at least until I can come back here and do it right making their way up and out the cave as they walked into the chill wind of night. The two made their way to Shannon's police SUV, just as the winds of the oncoming storm began to whip up, spattering rain against the windows of the car. Normally, I'm not supposed to allow non-police folks in the cruiser, unless I'm arresting them, of course, but we will make an exception for you tonight. Can you possibly give me a ride to the Woody Creek Tavern? I need to talk to someone about what I saw tonight. And I think I could use a drink. I can do that. I don't live too far from there. Maybe I'll join you for that drink. Shannon parked her cruiser in front of the back door he had used before to enter the restaurant. As they approached the door, Chance noticed it was slightly ajar and blowing in the wind. Hey, Johnny, you in there? You okay? Chance yelled from the back door into the kitchen area. The only response they heard was the sound of something crashing and the breaking of glass. The detective quickly pushed in in front of Chance, clearing the back kitchen and making her way up to the bar area. She stopped suddenly. Found him. He's fine. Looks like he crawled into a bottle again. The two of them picked him up and laid him down in his booth from earlier. They roused him to consciousness enough to make sure he would not die of alcohol poisoning. After sweeping up the broken glass... Chance slid into the next booth and immediately stretched out, lounging against the back wall. Shannon moved over behind the bar and began pulling out two pint glasses and a bottle of whiskey. Let's get you that drink. Looks like you're still a bit chilly. That sounds divine, but I only drink vodka. But isn't that theft detective? Chance inquired, arching one of his eyebrows. Well, 
Maybe normally, but not in this case, she said as she turned back to the bar, also grabbing a bottle of Tito's vodka. I grew up in the house on the other side of the trailer park there. The Huntingtons have been family friends ever since I can remember. Working here was my first job growing up. Started busting tables and cooking in the kitchen. I was a bartender here before I went off to the academy. His father's death was brutal on him, nodding her head towards Johnny. I try to check in on him, make sure he's doing okay. He usually isn't. She slid into the bench of the booth opposite Chance, poured two drinks, and slid him a glass of vodka. Okay, so what is his deal? Is he crazy or haunted? Regardless, he seems to have some inside source of information. He is crazy, but he's haunted as well. Whether by the actual ghost of his father or just a lifetime of repressed memories rising to the surface remains to be seen. But he's dealing with his ghosts either way. Okay, I've had all I can take on the topics of cult murders, ghosts, and crazy people. It's been an epically bizarre day. I propose that we spend the next couple of hours loading up that jukebox over there with a playlist, and we both drink heavily. Well, I am now officially off the clock. Okay, Mr. Van Horn, you got yourself a date, she said with a crooked smile. They were about five shots in, and Chance had half a decent buzz on. He kept catching the detective's gaze lingering on him for just a moment or two, more than he would have deemed a polite and civilized conversation, causing a grin to appear as he scratched his chin and began to plan which songs he would look for in the jukebox to best complement the last of the night. It was then that the Deftones' passenger came on over the speakers. I love this song, Shannon said, slumping back on her side of the booth. It seemed the shots were also starting to hit her as well. I remember seeing them at re- play at Red Rocks in the summer of 2000 for the White Pony Tour. That was like 20 years ago. I was at that show too. I got to party with Chino and Maynard after the show. Back then I was writing for the Color Red magazine out of Denver. Oh shit, I remember that magazine. It was all over Denver back in the day. Yep, that was a great show. Those were the golden years. I feel like the world is changing in front of our eyes with this pandemic. And you wait. This year isn't going to let up. I'm betting we're in for a hell of a wildfire season this year. Shannon took a moment thinking about her past. Yeah, I miss those years. I was in Denver. I was a patrol cop back in the days. And you still like the Deftones and Tool? Hey, there's some cool cops out there. Chance lifted an eyebrow. If you say so. The detective's eyebrow arched as she mirrored Chance. She followed it with a here-comes-trouble smile, and she stood up from her seat and slowly moved to Chance. She slid the table back so she could straddle his lap and bring her face close to his. She began tracing the intricate lines of the Mandela tattoos that contoured around with the sides of his head, making eye contact with him after a moment. She said, It's been a real rough go of things lately. I'm sure it has been for you, too. Shit, it's been a tough go for the whole world. What do you say we forget about the beginning of the end of the world for a few hours? She leaned in quick and stole a kiss, then leaned back, looking for his answer. I think I can do that. Chapter 7 Chance awoke to the bright, sunlight, blazing fog of white that slowly melted into a bedroom he didn't recognize. He strained through the throbbing of his skull, trying to remember the events of the night before that had brought him here. Save for fleeting glimpses of Shannon naked on top of him, there wasn't much to go off of. Ouch, my head, Chance grumbled hoarsely. 
Tell me about it, Detective Shannon O'Brien answered as she strode into the bedroom completely naked. I made us some coffee. There's a bottle of Advil on the kitchen table, but I don't think for a second that I'm going to cook you breakfast. That would be your job. Your progressive gender roles are a shining tribute to modern policing, Chance said as he sat up on the side of the bed. He looked around the room, trying to get his bearings. He saw the room was comfortable, with lots of what he assumed were family pictures on the walls. Tell you what, if you help me find some of my clothes and show me where your kitchen is, I'll make us an amazing breakfast. One of my first jobs was as a breakfast cook for the Silver Grill in Fort Collins. I make a mean breakfast. Deal. Shannon's kitchen was vintage 80s with a beige refrigerator and a stove that must have been new in the last couple of years. There were several more pictures of family and friends framed and hanging on the walls. Chance had whipped up some French toast and hash browns for the two of them from the limited selection of food Shannon had on hand. The two of them now sat across the table from one another. Both had only managed to put on their panties and boxers, respectively. So, about last night, was that just a spur-of-the-drunken-moment type of thing? Something you do regularly? Chance asked between bites. Shannon looked at him and laughed. Well, I gotta say, there was just something about you from the very first time I saw you. Once I ran a quick background check on you and found you weren't a wanted serial killer, pedophile, or anything, I thought I might take a chance on you, Chance. Wow, those are some high standards I had to hit. You know, not everyone with a lot of anchor criminals and miscreants. Oh, I would have run your name in if you had no tattoos and you were wearing a suit. Let me guess, it's the whole bad boy thing. And it's even better if he's a reformed bad boy with a steady job. I have no idea what you're talking about, Shannon said as her cheeks turned a shade pinker. Don't get me wrong. The whole bucket list category has been very good to me. I'll take it. Well, I'm glad you decided I was a possibility. From what I remember of the latter part of the night, we had some much-needed escape. It was then that the earlier part of the evening resurfaced in his memory. But seriously, what the actual fuck happened before the good parts of the night last night? No shit. So I had just gotten home last night when there was a call out for a deputy to go and check out something happening on the highway. It had come in from a motorist that was coming down Independence Pass. The witness drove by a group of people taking what looked like a body wrapped in a tarp out of a black SUV. There are few on the force that tend not to look into certain cases we have up here. This is, of course, completely off the record, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I know you don't know me or anything or my writing, but I'm always steadfast in protecting all of my sources. It's the only way to truly keep a good source. Chance assured her. So there are certain crimes around here, as I'm sure it's like in Estes, that seem to get swept under the rug, especially when it comes to the more successful older businesses that our town's economy depends on for survival and profitability, mostly the resorts and more famous hotels. I know precisely what you mean. The story I am up here working on ties directly back to the Summit Hotel in Estes. Really? Please do tell what you know, Shannon had jumped back into cop mode. Well, that depends entirely on you, Chance answered, drawing back a little. We both deal in intelligence in our work, and intelligence is a commodity in our world. The problem is, cops always want to be the one-way street. I will share what I have and what I find but this needs to be a two-way street for us both. You will need to give back in equal proportions. 
Shannon considered that remark, knowing that it was true. Okay, I can do that, at least to a point. Let's get to know each other, build some trust, and see just how much we might be able to help each other out. She said, Hey, we should look at the pictures I took last night, especially the markings cut into the deer and the ones carved into the altar in that haunted cave of yours. If I can remember what the fuck I did with my bag, it's in my truck. We left it in there when we stormed into the bar. Hold on, I'll throw on a robe and grab it. As she pulled on a robe and some muckers, Chance took the time to inspect the pictures on her kitchen and dining room walls. On it, he saw her in many of the photos as a little girl and a young woman. Most of them were with an older man that looked like it may have been her father. He was often in a police uniform. Chancel also noticed that she appeared to be more of a rebel in her teenage pics than he would have expected. One picture then had Shannon sporting a green mohawk, complete with a Fugazi concert t-shirt. Shannon came back into the house with the red messenger bag left in her truck. Here you go, she said, sliding the bag across the kitchen table. Okay, let's see what we have. Chance opened the bag and pulled out the older, well-used camera he always kept with him. He thumbed the power switch as he sat down at the table. Shannon scooted in close as he began to scroll through the pics on the small screen on the back of his camera. He paused. I wouldn't suggest you look at any of the other pictures on this camera. I wouldn't want to offend you. He gave her a quick wink. Oh, well, I'll keep that in mind. Maybe it was a good thing we forgot it in the car last night. Chance continued scrolling through the images, skipping to the deer that had come back to life in the cave. Most of them were blurry and washed out with the bright white of the flash, but two were clearer and showed some of the details of the sigils intricately carved into the creature's flesh. It was covered with stylized cuts from its face along its neck, shoulder, down to its back belly, and then down its legs. Whoever did this had a practiced hand. I used to own a couple of tattoo and piercing studios in a previous life. We dabbled in scarification. This line work looks to me to be pretty clean, and it looks like they probably used a medical scalpel. Shannon stared intently at the back of the camera screen. I have no idea about that, but I'm going to reach out to our local wildlife officer and see if he has ever heard of or seen of anything like this before. I'll see if maybe they can track down the deer from last night. I don't think the poor thing would have made it very far. It was mostly dead before we'd gotten there. Do you recognize any of those symbols? I don't know. They look like something out of the Necronomicon or something. Some of them look almost like Viking runes, but no, not really. I do know a guy who knows a lot about all that occult shit. He lives in Denver. I work with him on research from time to time. He might have some ideas about it. Please let me know if you find anything out, Shannon said. I will, but I need you to level with me first. I heard some rumors that the kid you all found in the same area had markings cut into his body, too. You know I can't talk about that. It's an ongoing investigation. She looked him in the eyes, making sure he knew that this would be a hard no. See, this is what I was talking about with the exchange of information. Look, we can either work on this separately and have holes or work together and have a complete picture. You may never read any of my work, but I'm a pretty good investigative journalist i hear what you're saying and i'll give you something but i need copies of all those pictures you took last night with a resigned sigh chance downloaded the images to his ipad and emailed them to her so the kid was found near the entrance of the cave it looked like a bear may have smelled the body and started dragging it 
when some hikers came across him and scared it off. But the body did have the same sort of markings cut into him. Have you found any connection between the kid and Aspen? Shannon asked, hopefully. From what I can tell, no one there really knew him much at all. Even in Estes Park, he kept to himself more than anything. But I'm not 100% about that yet, Chance said as he stood up from the kitchen table and began to pace back and forth. It was something he always did when he's trying to work things out in his head. But I can tell you this, based on the group of people I saw last night, I would assume that whatever the connection, it's organized. They were working like they were a team. They must have had vehicles to transport the deer and a nearby location to bring the deer in the first place, a place where they could cut those symbols into it. I assume they must have had to tranquilize it. So they must have had both the resources and connections to pull this all off, outside of the public eye. The kid's main contact with the world was through his job. He was a J-1 visa worker in the, from the Eastern Bloc and didn't seem to know anyone outside of work. I'm still looking into his friends and associates. Do you think there could be a connection between the Summit Hotel and one of the hotels or resorts here? Maybe some business associations? Shannon got up and walked over to the coffee maker, where a cold cup of coffee she had made earlier was still sitting under the dispenser. She picked up the cup, examining its contents as she walked over to the fridge and grabbed the bottle of vanilla creamer and poured in a hefty dollop. Well, at this point, I think we're both going to need to get on with our day. Look, last night was fun, but I don't want you to think it was anything other than what it was, a much-needed escape from how crazy the world's gotten this year. It can't be anything more than that. As much as he wanted to not feel anything about the words just spoken, he did. The words were sharp and bit deep in a way that Chance had felt far too many times in his life. As always, he buried that hurt down deeper than the sting. Of course, I figured you were going to kick me out last night. Sweetheart, I'm just glad to have gotten the hot detective checked off my bucket list. He changed the subject. Look, I'm going to go see if Johnny has slept things off enough to give me a ride to my bike. I need to get back to Estes and follow up on some leads. The truth was, Chance liked her. She made him laugh and gave his sarcastic approach to life right back at him. He was also relieved that he wouldn't have to deal with the inevitable abandonment after his feelings had time to grow. Deep down, Chance felt he might always be destined to be alone. To him, being alone was better than investing in someone, only to have them drop you at a moment's notice and dealing with the personal rejection that had always haunted his earlier life.